Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talked to Bhaskar Agnishwaran, the co-founder of Vajro, a cloud-based mobile commerce platform that creates instant mobile shopping apps for e-commerce stores. You probably hear about product market fit all the time and why that's so important to building a successful SaaS company. But what about founder market fit? In 2015, Bhaskar and two of his friends set out to build a price comparison app. They wanted to get into the e-commerce space and believed they could help consumers find better deals. But two years later, their startup failed. They'd underestimated how much work was required to maintain the huge amount of data they needed to power their app. And as a bootstrap business, they just didn't have enough money to keep going. But even though they failed, their experience helped them learn about e-commerce and more importantly about themselves. They knew that price comparison app was a great idea, but it just wasn't a great idea for them. They realized that their strength was in mobile app development and that they were more likely to be successful if they focused on that. Soon after, they came up with the idea of a SaaS product that helped Shopify stores to quickly and easily create a mobile shopping app. And it didn't take too long for them to start to get traction. Then the pandemic hit, and initially it looked like their business was going to be in trouble. But instead of panicking, they started taking a closer look at what was going on, and they saw that mobile usage was increasing. And it felt like there was actually an opportunity for them. So they decided to double down and actually hire more people during the pandemic. And in the last few months, they've actually tripled revenue and are doing six figures in MRR and still growing. It's a great story about the importance of founder market fit. You may have a great idea, but it might not be the right idea for you. So figuring out your founder market fit is just as important, if not more important than product market fit, especially in the early days of your SaaS business. I hope you enjoy the interview. Bhaskar, welcome to the show. Hey, Omar. It's a pleasure talking to you. Do you have a quote, something that inspires you or motivates you or just gets you out of bed every day? Oh, yeah. I'm really obsessed about Vajro. And I feel uh, every entrepreneur uh, should be obsessed about his startup. That, in my opinion, is possibly the key uh, to success. Obsession. Yes. (laughs) Right. So tell us about Vajro. What does the product do? Who is it for? And what's the main problem you're helping to solve? Vajro is basically a mobile app development platform. We are currently aligned to e-commerce and more specifically aligned to Shopify. What that means is e-commerce stores who have their backbone with Shopify, if they actually want to convert their website into a mobile app, they could basically do that uh, using Vajro and they don't need to write a single line of code. So we are a no-code mobile app development platform and uh, the e-commerce stores could basically get up and running uh, like uh, in about a few hours. That's all that it actually takes to be live uh, with their apps through Vajro. So the the app, is this a native app? This is like, you know, there are some apps and it's just basically an app showing the browser page, or there's a sort of a native implementation. That's right. So this is a a fully native app. So native for Android and native for iOS. So 
yeah, it's it's fully native and uh, it's not a PWA. We don't really take the uh, web pages and then put it into an app. That's that's really not what we do. We are a full fledged mobile app with over two hundred features and over uh, fifty integrations. Got it. So Vajro basically was sort of founded around June 2018, just over two years ago. But I think the story starts probably two and a half years before that, when you built a prior product, which didn't work out and then eventually led you to to starting Vajro and, and, and the product that you have today. So why don't we... Why don't we start with that product? Tell me what that that previous product was called and, and how you came up with the idea for that. Sure, sure. Uh, I think that's where we need to start because behind every success, there is a failure and the failures are actually the stepping stones uh, for success. So our journey actually started with uh, Price App. Price App was basically a price comparison app, primarily for the uh, US market. So what we actually tried to do was we connected the backend with the major e-commerce platforms like Walmart, eBay, Amazon, and so on. And we were basically pulling in data from those websites and uh, we were basically trying to provide the latest and the lowest price uh, for products. So that, that was our objective. So, for example, if you if you searched for an iPhone, uh, we would we would quickly go back to these sites and get the lowest price for iPhones from all of these sites. So that was Rise App's intention, but it was a failure because it actually required a lot of heavy lifting at the back end, and we had actually outsourced uh, the back end work because our core strength was actually mobile app development. So, and we realized through the journey that the mobile app was only a kind of a rendition engine. So uh, the actual heavy lifting was done at the back end, which we had uh, very little control on and uh, it failed. And that's when we kind of introspected and we kind of thought through what was our strength and uh, uh, what we really wanted to do. And we realized that our strength was actually mobile app development. And that was the uh, starting point for Vajro. The one biggest learning that we had uh, when we did Price App was that we actually learned a lot about e-commerce. We did not know the size of the market before we did Price App. We did not know the potential that e-commerce held for us. So Price App was kind of a stepping stone for learning all of these. And when, when it failed, uh, we, we realized our core trends and aligned ourselves accordingly. And the day that we actually launched Vajro in Shopify, that, that was basically in June 2018, that was really the turning point for us. Got it. I want to talk a little bit more about Price App because I think there's some interesting lessons here. First of all, when you said, you know, we were working on this, how many of you were there? How, did you have co-founder, co-founders? Oh, yeah. So I actually have uh, two co-founders uh, in Vajro. So Nivin Santosh uh, is my tech co-founder, if you can uh, call that. So he's the technology genius behind uh, uh, Vajro's platform right now. So, and he was the person who also created the app uh, uh, for Prize App. So, why did you? So, you said you have two co-founders. Yeah, the the, the other co-founder is uh, Raghu. Uh, Raghu is basically a, a sales and marketing expert with uh, uh, more than two decades of experience in selling software internationally across geographies. Okay, and and so it was the three of you that started Prize App together as well. That's right. 
why e-commerce? Like, how did you guys decide that was the the space that you were going to tackle? Okay, so we were, uh, to be honest, we were actually very naive when we actually did Price App. So we we knew that price comparison could hold significant potential, but did not really size up the overall e-commerce market. But through our journey in Price App, we actually discovered the size of the e-commerce market and uh, you know the kind of play that we could possibly have in that market, and so on. Okay, and and so this was sort of like a, a B two C play, right? This was the the product was designed for consumers. Yes, that's right. That's right, and that that was the other part. So you hit the nail on the head. B two C is possibly not ideal uh, with a bootstrapped company. So you possibly need to have a big war chest if you want to do B two C. So that that was definitely another learning that we had, you know. Uh, and uh, when when we did uh, Vajro. Uh, it was B2B and we could we could still pull it off uh, bootstrapped. So until like December 2019, we were bootstrapped and only then we actually raised our first round of funding. And how long, how much time did you spend on price app? Because you were working on this for a couple of years, right? Yeah, uh, nearly a couple of years. So from conception to building the back end and then building the uh, actual mobile app. It, it did take a significant amount of time. And after we built it, we, we kind of spent a few months in trying to make it successful. We realized that, number one, the, the product was not up to the mark. Uh, we, we kind of uh, needed to admit that to ourselves because sometimes you just need to step back and look at things objectively. You need to call a spade a spade. So if, you, if your product was not good enough, you should be able to admit that and move on or you know, uh, at least try to bring that up to speed. So at that point of time, we realized that, you know, to bring it up to speed was going to be a Herculean task and we could possibly not pull it off being bootstrapped. Okay. So you, you've kind of gone through this process that a lot of entrepreneurs and founders go through, which is you come across an idea, everyone gets excited about it. You go out and sort of build the product and then the honeymoon is over and the reality of, of the business starts yeah. to <laughs> You come crashing down to earth. Yeah. And at the point that you guys decided that this idea didn't have legs or certainly, you know, it, it you didn't have all the the resources to be able to, to really see this idea through. Did you already know that what you were going to be doing with Vajra or was this sort of a thing that you sort of shut down and then sometime later you sort of came to together again with this idea? At what point did the Vajra idea emerge? Yeah, so the Vajra idea actually emerged kind of a year before uh, we actually launched in Shopify. So what we were actually doing was soon as we launched and, uh, you know, a couple of months uh, down the line after launch of PriceApp, we kind of realized that the reality of uh, PriceApp's failure and, uh, you know, we, we started thinking about, uh, as I said, uh, our course trends and, you know, what we really wanted to do and so on. And uh, we, we really decided that we would actually go ahead and build a mobile app platform because that, that's our core strength. So we actually went ahead and created the platform. And incidentally, uh, Shopify was not the first platform that we actually launched Vajro with. So uh, it was actually a platform called uh, Cart Rocket. So they are based out of India. So it's a, it's a kind of a small platform, maybe a few hundred clients. Uh, as compared to kind of 1.5 million stores uh, who are currently using Shopify. 
but that that again kind of gave us market validation you know it instilled the confidence in us that you know we could we could actually make the whole thing work it was successful with cart rocket and then we went ahead and uh, launched uh, vajro on shopify uh, a few months later what kind of validation did you do with this idea how how did you sort of hedge your bets and make sure that what you were doing here was was going to be more successful the second time around oh yeah we were kind of i would say <laughs> Uh, cautiously confident that vajro would be successful primarily because uh, we were playing to our strength which was basically mobile app development and uh, the second thing that worked in our favor was two things actually that worked in our favor one is basically the fact that this was actually b2b and not b2c and uh, uh, the second thing was as soon as we started ideating we reached out to cart rocket and uh, the deal immediately worked out so the way it actually panned out was that uh, we actually signed up with cart rocket first and then actually built uh, the platform so that way what happened was we we actually had uh, a platform in our bag uh, before we actually uh, got started so how how did you do that deal without a, a product okay yeah yeah so what uh, what cart rocket was uh, basically looking for was actually a, a mobile app developer what we actually did was that you know we just told cart rocket that okay uh, uh, mobile app development is what you want so you you could refer your uh, clients to us and we could basically build mobile apps uh, for your e-commerce stores so that that was basically the deal and uh, uh, it was only later that you know we actually went back to them and told them that hey you know what we we actually built a platform so it's actually kind of easy for us to uh, build mobile apps uh, for your clients and we could actually do it on a much larger scale got it okay so that was sort of like the way for you to sort of test the water and to validate the idea and then how did the shopify opportunity emerge why did you decide that shopify was the 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 ecosystem that you were going to to invest your 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 energy into oh yeah yeah uh, that's a very good question because the day we launched the platform with cart rocket we started doing research and uh, we we kind of zeroed in on a few platforms but we picked shopify uh, primarily because of the maturity of the ecosystem we realized that what shopify was doing was basically something like what apple itself had done uh, in the early 2000s when they actually opened up the apple ecosystem and said hey you know what any developer could actually come on our platform and actually develop apps on the ios platform so that that was basically what shopify had done too they had a core uh, e-commerce platform but they realized that they could not possibly build each and every feature uh, that the platform required so uh, they had actually created an ecosystem where third party developers could basically come and uh, they could they could basically you know build anything on shopify that could help customers sell more or you know that that could help customers in any which way that it could uh, help an e-commerce store so the maturity of the ecosystem was the prime uh, driving factor for us to zero in on shopify so this is two and a half years from the time that you you launched price app to getting into shopify and you guys were bootstrapping this business up until that point 
so how, how are you paying the bills? Like, how are you funding the business? How are you, you know, paying your own bills? Were you, was this a part-time thing for you guys? Oh, no. So it was part-time for me and Raghu until we kind of launched in Shopify. But Niven was full-time into this. And we also had uh, a handful of employees. And I'm thinking now, possibly, I think we had uh, three employees or four employees at that point of time. So I was actually running a couple of more businesses, and that was basically funding uh, this initiative. Okay, got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the day we launched in Shopify, you know, it's it's kind of, I've been uh, uh, more than full-time into this right now. So tell me about, so so you got the... You, you, what does launching in in Shopify actually mean? Because uh, I'm not that familiar with 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 Shopify's platform, and for a lot of people listening, what does that actually mean? What 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 sort of work or, or time is involved to get your app in front of Shopify's customers? Sure. Yeah. So what that actually means is uh, a listing on the Shopify ecosystem. So uh, you actually have apps.shopify.com. That's that's uh, the kind of the marketplace where e-commerce stores can basically find uh, kind of uh, thousands of plugins uh, that they could potentially use for their store. So getting ourselves listed in that ecosystem, that's, that's basically what it is. So we basically built our platform and uh, uh, we actually went through uh, the vetting process with Shopify for like, I think, six months, really, before uh, Shopify could approve it. So they, they have a very stringent process of, uh, you know, uh, making sure that the app is really uh, functioning the way that it should. And, you know, th- there is a good customer experience when they go through the setup and so on. So they have a lot of parameters and, uh, you know, it's, it's a very intense uh, process. So it, it took us uh, quite a few months, but uh, when we finally got there, it was uh, really awesome. Okay, so tell me about the day you launched. Oh yeah, so uh, <laughs> it was quite exciting. And I, I remember the conversation that I had with Nivin and Raghu that day when we actually got listed. One of the key decisions that uh, we made on that day was that you know we could actually price the product really low because uh, we wanted to acquire customers. So if you if you actually visit the Shopify ecosystem, you, you'll realize that each plugin or each app is actually rated uh, by customers. So the more rating you had, the more e-commerce stores actually come and install your app. So we initially wanted to drive uh, a lot of uh, installs. So uh, we kind of started our plan at uh, $25 a month. That, that was the starting point. And that really helped in uh, acquiring a lot of customers in the initial stages. So I, I remember that conversation uh, the day we actually launched. So And uh, it, it turned out to be a pretty good launch for us. So immediately uh, after the launch, we, we kind of started getting a lot of customers. So all uh, organic installs. So that, that was pretty exciting for us because that was the first time that we had actually built something and you just needed to wait and clients could basically, you know, come and install and they could, they could basically uh, start paying and so on. So it, it was like a, a little bit of magic happening there. Okay, great. So you've got, you, you, you're in the app store and you're f- sort of figuring out how to improve your ranking in there, make the product more searchable. 
and drive up reviews to incentivize more people to feel confident enough to to try your product. Were there other things that you were doing outside of the app store to reach Shopify customers? Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we actually started doing a lot of stuff. Well, we started building affiliates or, uh, you know, partnerships. So we, we basically started researching Facebook groups where, you know, people are actually uh, looking out for solutions to increase sales or solutions for increasing conversions or solutions for increasing customer retention and so on. And we, we discovered a few groups and uh, we, we got ourselves entrenched in that group and we started doing a lot of digital marketing consistently. So over a period of time, we realized that it pays to patiently do your digital marketing and wait for the magic to happen. You, you really need to build your brand uh, in those groups and so on. So, and then, you know, people start to know the brand Vajro. We did some uh, pretty smart stuff. So we would typically, you know, ask our customers who come from that group, you know, they would have a moment of realization when they actually uh, like our app and their customers provide positive feedback about the app and so on. So at that point of time, we would actually ask them to, you know, talk about us in those groups. And th- that really helped us uh, gather momentum. And uh, that was the initial part of the first 12 to 15 months. Uh, we were predominantly uh, doing a lot of partnerships, affiliations, and uh, you know, making our presence felt in various forums and uh, building the brand. And that was uh, really what was driving the app installs and revenues. Okay, got it. So... There's a clear difference with Vajra. And once you launch that in the Shopify marketplace, which is very different to the experience you had with PriceApp. And so looking back, I mean, you know, you, you often hear founders say, you know, once you've found the, the right problem solution fit or the right product market fit, you know things are different. Things start to fall in place in a different way than when you're trying to force an idea into a market that nobody really wants. So there's a bunch of different reasons why you can't find that traction. So how different was that experience for you? And what do you, if anything, do you think you could have done differently with the price app experience to learn that lesson faster? Okay, that's a tough one. So because I'm not sure if it would have been possible for us to actually learn that stuff faster because, you know, I feel sometimes it just comes with experience. You got to fail, you know, in order to introspect and understand and, uh, you know, use it as a stepping stone uh, for success later. So I'm not sure if that learning can be crashed because it's a process that you need to go through. But thinking back, I think uh, there are a couple of things uh, that I want to talk about here that would possibly accelerate the learning. So when you actually ideate about a product, I think one of the key things that you need to think about is what's the delta that you are actually delivering to your customer? You know, what was his previous state and what is the state that he would be in after he uses your product? Because if, if that delta is 2x times better than what the customer is experiencing currently, you definitely have a business case. So that's definitely something that you need to think about. So, for example, if you talk about Vajro, there is a clear delta in the fact that, you know, 
80% of uh, the online sessions for e-commerce stores now happen from mobile devices. So it's it's actually a no-brainer for uh, e-commerce stores to have a mobile app. So uh, it, it would result in significant increase in conversions, significant increase in customer retention, and therefore a significant increase in revenues. So, the, so it's a, there's a clear delta in uh, people using uh, Vajro. So that's one thing. The second thing is you really need to know what you can do and what you cannot do, right? So uh, that's, that's a key learning. If our core strength was actually mobile app development, then uh, that is what uh, we should have stuck on to. So rather than trying to uh, be opportunistic in what we are doing, so uh, so you, you possibly need to marry the Delta part to your inherent strengths and weaknesses and really figure out uh, what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good insight and a really smart thing that you, that you just said there, that it, it's really important to understand your own strengths. And I think a lot of the time when people are tr- or founders are trying to get their idea off the ground, there's almost this misconception that I have to find the right idea for the market. And, and yes, you do, but it also has to be the right idea for you. And the lesson there is that, that sometimes it might be a great idea. It's just not a great idea for you. And so we look at like price app and say, okay, well, that doesn't mean a price comparison tool is a bad idea. Now, I look at companies like Honey, right, which is a very similar product in terms of being able to do price comparison. And, you know, that company has like, you know, six, seven hundred employees. They've raised twenty, thirty million dollars. So the idea wasn't a bad one, but it was about understanding what's, is it right for us? Do we have the core skill set to be able to execute on this idea? Do we have, you know, the all the things we need, like the kind of the funding and the investment for the B2C marketplace. And then, you know, obviously the the answers to that were no. And then you found the thing that was a much better fit for you as a group of founders. So I think that's just a, just a good thing to say. It's, it's not just about good idea or bad idea. It's also about is the idea good for you or not? Absolutely. Absolutely right, Omer. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely need to think about whether it's good for you because you need to have the skill sets to actually pull it off when it comes to execution. So, yeah, as you rightly said, the idea may be great, but uh, you still need to execute. So let's talk about, so the business, you know, June 2018, you're into the marketplace. 2019, you know, you're continuing to grow and acquire more customers. We talked about some of the things that you've been doing to find customers both in the ecosystem and, and sort of around things like Facebook groups and so on. Yeah, there's just one more thing that I would like to add there, uh, Omer. So it was not only about the partnerships and affiliates and the kind of marketing that we were driving. So uh, the one thing that I would like to add there is uh, we also had a very keen ear on the ground listening to customers. And we realized that uh, one of the key things that customers needed was actually live video selling capabilities from within the app. And we were actually the first mobile app platform in the world to actually launch a, a live video uh, feature from within the app where you know our e-commerce store owners could actually go live, sell products, 
you know, uh, do try-ons and those kind of stuff. And uh, buyers could actually go ahead and, uh, you know, at the click of a button, they could actually add the product to their cart and two-click uh, checkout, basically. In effect, what I'm trying to say is it was not only about the marketing. It was also about enhancing the product uh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a very good point. And then, obviously, this year, 2020, the pandemic hit and a, a lot of businesses have have obviously suffered or, or or gone out of business but there's also a lot of businesses that have been doing well during this time and Vajra is one of those examples and I, I know a lot of companies are sort of reluctant to talk about how well they're doing through the pandemic because it kind of feels a little weird. But I think we also have to accept that, look, the the way things are changing is that I was having a conversation with some of my SAS Club Plus members yesterday on a call where we were talking about, look, it's not like the money has just gone away. All the money that's out there is just moving and shifting into different places. And it's really important to understand what's happening, how people and companies' behavior is changing, what they're spending more money on or where that money is shifting to. And I think, you know, Vajra is is a really good example of that. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what did you see when sort sort of the pandemic hit? Did you see any slowdown in the business? And then at what point did you realize that this was actually an opportunity for you guys? Sure. Yeah, that's that's going to be a very interesting story by itself. So we've actually more than doubled our revenue since the pandemic started. So we've been growing at a frenetic pace in the past four or five months. And we, we've actually tripled our revenues uh, since Jan this year. Now, I know you don't talk about numbers specifically, but you're okay with us telling listeners that, that Vajra is doing six figures in, in monthly recurring revenue, right? Right, right. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So we actually tripled our uh, revenue since Jan. There's an interesting story behind it. So sometime around Jan and towards the end of Feb, uh, things were really slowing down. And uh, the, the pandemic was uh, starting to take a grip of uh, the entire world. And that's when we, we kind of uh, put on our thinking hats. And uh, we, we actually uh, did a lot of data analysis we went to uh, stores who were actually using Vajro. We looked up their uh, stats and uh, we, we did those groundwork. And we also tried to anticipate customer behavior. And I actually stuck my neck out and I said, you know what, the next couple of weeks, people are going to kind of uh, stock up essentials. But over the next month or next couple of months, what's going to happen is uh, people are, it's, it's going to move beyond essentials. People are actually going to start buying things differently. A lot more people are going to start to buy online. And those type kind of stuff is really going to happen. And we, we actually anticipated that. And uh, what we did was, uh, it, I know it might sound counterintuitive, but we actually went ahead and doubled our team size uh, during that time. And we also put in place a lot of serious sales and marketing efforts and as we anticipated, by the first week of April, things really started to pick up. So uh, it was not about essentials anymore. I had actually written a blog about it. Beyond a certain point, uh, a lot of people were going to start working from home and, you know, they're going to have uh, significantly more money because they, they were not going to travel 
anymore to their workplace and so on. And they're going to have a lot more screen time. And all that was going to translate to more e-commerce purchases beyond essentials. So we actually wrote about it and we went ahead and planned for it. And uh, we created our uh, marketing campaigns around it. Of course, the advantage that we had was we were in the e-commerce space that that kind of really helped. You know, if we were, uh, for example, if we were possibly in real estate, you know, we would have possibly fallen flat. So it did help that uh, we were actually in an industry uh, that was kind of, uh, you know, poised for tremendous growth. But we did take the risk and, uh, you know, doubled our team size and invested heavily in sales and marketing. And uh, the result is now uh, for there to see because we've been able to double our revenues uh, since then. So what gave you the confidence to to double the size of your team at a time when everybody else was, well, not everybody else, but most people were going into this this mode of fear and and, and kind of thinking about cutting costs or, or managing or freezing things. Yeah. Uh, so actually three things that led us to believe uh, strongly in that and take a calculated risk. So uh, the first, as I said, was the anticipated consumer behavior. The second was actually the data analysis. So we actually went back and saw stores and we realized that a lot of stores actually started doing really well during March and April. Their sales were going up. So we realized that there was really something there uh, for us to think about. So the analysis uh, was the second part. And the third part was, again, uh, another critical piece of stat. So when we did that analysis, it was not, not only the revenues that were going up, but uh, the mobile sessions were also increasing significantly. So, you know, what was previously like, you know, uh, 50% web sessions and 50% sessions from mobile devices, there was a decisive shift there. So we started seeing something like 70 to 80% of uh, sessions coming from uh, mobile devices. So that, that, that's primarily because uh, people having a lot more time with them and not traveling to offices and so on, and uh, therefore having a lot of time with them and browsing a lot more uh, from their mobile devices. These stats, basically, you know, the stats combined with the anticipated human uh, behavior, that, that's what led us to take the calculated risk and say, let's let's double up and let's let's try to pull this off and uh, kind of touch what it happened. Yeah, that's smart. It, it reminds me, you know, there was, um, there was a paper that I read from uh, Bain & Company, the, the consulting firm, and this was from... This is probably from about nine, ten years ago, maybe around the the last sort of you know the great recession that we had in the U.S. ten years ago. So, and um, they had done some research and they'd looked at a number of previous recessions and seen, tried to identify who were the companies that that came out doing well after a recession. And they they sort of said, think of a recession is if you're on a racetrack, a recession, think of it as almost like a very sharp curve that you have to take on the racetrack. And what happens is that a lot of these, in a recession, everyone sort of is slowing down, is not spending, is thinking about cutting costs. And they said that the companies that did well after each of the recessions that they looked at were the ones who looked at that opportunity to actually invest, to actually think about how they were going to prepare for when the recession ended. And that allowed them to use that sharp curve as the point that they could overtake the competition. 
and they show the example example, example. I, I'd love to kind of like, like I should find where that paper is or uh, I don't have a handy right now but um, I thought that was a really really good insight sort of a very data driven way of looking at what has happened in the past and a good lesson for a lot of companies although it's not always an easy thing to do or a decision like that to make when you're in the middle of all that chaos, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely not easy. So, in fact, when we did our reading, a lot of, uh, I would not say peers, but, but, but a lot of people in the e-commerce industry were, were still talking about, uh, you know, uh, essentials poised for growth. Whereas, you know, we, we were thinking ahead and said uh, the essentials uh, poised for growth will hold good uh, for the first month. But what happens from the second month on? So, you know, we were, we were going beyond the uh, headlines that were given to us. And uh, th- that was also one of the key for us to, you know, uh, make that calculated guess and say that, you know, this is what is going to happen. You know, it's, it's kind of very intuitive, but sometimes you got to believe that. And we also had the stats backing to say that uh, there was actually a lot more uh, sessions and a lot more purchases from mobile apps now. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was you used as much data that you could get hold of to, to make that decision. But it was also it was also an intuitive decision that's turned out to be a good one now that we're sort of starting to look back at what's what's been happening. Right. All right. We should wrap up. We should move on to the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you seven quick fire questions. I uh, just try to answer them as quickly as you can. Sure. Ready? Okay. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Yeah, I, I think uh, the best piece of business advice that I've seen is, and that's, that's basically from uh, an Indian founder, uh, Vijay Shekhar Sharma. He actually expounded the concept of uh, Delta Four uh, that I was talking about earlier. So I think that's that's possibly the best piece of business advice that I heard. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh, I would possibly recommend uh, Spear by Michael Crichton. So uh, the reason is uh, it, it's, uh, it's all about self-discovery. So I think that's, that's really key for entrepreneurs. So I think Spear by Michael Crichton would be my take. I don't think we've ever had a Michael Crichton book recommended in the show before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't read management stuff. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I learn from the practical world and fiction uh, writing like Michael Crichton. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Uh, I, would, I would possibly say two. One is obsession uh, that I talked about uh, uh, in the beginning. The second is perseverance. I think the, those two are possibly foremost, in my opinion. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Personal productivity tool. I'm actually old school, so I actually have a, a notepad and pen with me all the time, uh, taking down notes and uh, you know, uh, ticking it off when I actually <laughs> complete uh, the stuff that needs to be completed. So that's, that's possibly my uh, favorite productivity tool. What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Oh yeah, that's a good one. So I think I would I would possibly do something like uh, the Chennai incubator. So uh, you know I, I want to incubate SaaS companies, and if if they have a good idea, uh, I want to provide all the other ingredients uh, to basically make it successful. That's that's my favorite uh, idea. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Interesting fun fact 
about me. I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, as old school uh, as it can get. And uh, yet, uh, I'm at the forefront of uh, uh, technology, uh, running a successful SaaS company. Because of the, the, the stuff like the paper and pen stuff? Yeah, paper and pen, uh, deeply religious. And, uh, you know, uh, I do a lot of meditation and, uh, you know, those kind of stuff. So it's, 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 I'm, I'm really a contrast uh, in, in that sense. And finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work? Outside of work, my passion, I would say two things. Uh, first, uh, I like to spend a lot of time with family, um, my wife, my kids, and my parents. So I, I like to spend time with family. The second thing is I love sports. I love playing table tennis and uh, uh, a little bit of carom. Yeah. Carom. If you don't know what carom get up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a very Indian game, isn't it? <laughs> Great. Oscar, thank you so much for uh, joining me today, uh, sharing the story of of Vajro and 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 how you guys you know launched that, found that opportunity, and have grown the business and and uh, the lessons that you've learned along the way. If people want to check out Vajro, they can go to Vajro. That's V A J R O dot com. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? They could possibly email me, Baskar, B-A-S-K-A-R at Vajro.com. Awesome. Baskar, thank you so much. I wish you all the best and uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk. Yeah, thank you so much, Omar, uh, for giving me the opportunity. So uh, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Cheers. Cheers.